Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning, this is Terry Wickstrom, and we have a a great show for you today, I think. You know, we've covered a lot of... uh, a lot of fly fishing in the last couple of weeks. In fact, if you followed my uh, column in the Denver Post over the last month, we've had two pretty extensive uh, columns, including podcasts from this show, on fly fishing. Because what's happening with the rivers? The rivers have been, uh, the runoff stopped early. It never really peaked high. The rivers are fishing incredible right now. Not sure how long it's going to hold up if we don't get precipitation. Uh, we're going to cover more fly fishing we'll, a little bit today. We will cover some. And next week, we're going to have a lot again as Kirk Dieter is going to join us from Trout Magazine. He's also an editor-at-large for Field and Stream. And the guys from Trout Unlimited will join us. So we'll have quite a bit of fly fishing next week. But this week, we are going to have a lot of conventional fishing. It is on fire. We're seeing a lot going on out there. And so especially the second hour, we're going to cover almost exclusively conventional fishing. But we'll have a few different topics this first hour. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. It's a great way to keep up with what's going on in the show and to get information to help you win contests. Our Facebook page is Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us, he's been a longtime contributor to this show. He's a professional walleye trail championship qualifier. He's a guide up here in northern Colorado. He's a a pro staffer for uh, uh, several electronics, Lawrence Electronics, and probably one of the most knowledgeable electronics guys in in this part of the country, and also one of the most accomplished walleye fishermen, Dan Swanson. Good morning, Dan. Morning, Terry. It's a beautiful day out. Um, I understand that... uh, and in a couple of days, you're going to head over to Grand Junction, though, before we even get into today. You're doing one of your uh, your seminars on electronics over there? Yeah, I'm going to go over to the, uh, the one of the stores over in Grand Junction. It's Cabela's. You can say it. Day. You can well, say I don't that. Know who your sponsors are these days. So. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to so, Cabela's. Yeah, I'll be at Cabela's all day from 10 to 6 for the Western Slope folks, if anybody gets over there, because I don't get over there very often. And what day is that? I'm going to be there Monday. Okay. Because I'm up in Rock Springs, Wyoming for the weekend, and then I'm going to run over there after I leave here. So. so you got a little pleasure thrown in there, too, huh? That's right. That's right. You know, when we get, I'm going to say, not old, like when we get experienced like you and I are in the industry, we try to combine a little other pleasure with some of the work things. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to do the drive, you might as well have some fun doing it. Oh, that's for sure. But I'll tell you what, anybody who's interested, who's never attended what you're doing, it's a, a fantastic educational. In fact... I've got some time in town over the next few weeks. I might try to pry you out one day if I can find you in a, sometime in the next few weeks and, and just go in your boat and look at your electronics because I'm probably getting ready to upgrade mine. I know we're going to talk some walleye fishing here, but some of the new mapping things they have, I mean, I think I'm, I've got down scan and I've got side scan and I've got a fairly sophisticated electronics, but the mapping has come so far lately, Dan. It's amazing. If you go... Most of our front range lakes are very well mapped, um, and it's and they're available for free to download. And then there's also the every brand, no matter what brand it is these days, you can go out and make your own maps while you drive around on the lake. So 
um, there's a lot of technology there today that really, really helps us find more fish. Oh, and it's, it's, uh, I think the mapping is almost revolutionizing things the last few years as much as the original depth finders did originally. I mean, it's, it just changes your ability to find locations and find spots on spots. It's so accurate. And then, you know, put your, build your own maps, like you said. But let's talk yep. a little fishing, though. I know you've been out. Um, yep. Bring me up to speed on some of the lakes you've been fishing. How you've been fishing in the northeast and then, of course, up in the northern Fort Collins, Loveland area. What have you been finding? Well, so I have not been fishing like lakes like Sterling and Jumbo, but I can all, I can tell you the reports I'm getting from people are that they are on fire. Um, and so I have not fished those, but anything along the I-76 corridor sounds like it's fishing really well. The one I have been to is I, went, I was at Jackson Lake on Wednesday, and we did really well there. Um, we caught, we didn't catch a lot of numbers, but we were focusing on probably bigger fish, and we caught, I think our biggest one that day was like 25 inches, so a pretty nice walleye. Um, the water at Jackson is is dirty. It's a lot dirtier than I have ever seen. In fact, that's the first time I've ever been to the lake. And probably about a foot to a foot and a half of water clarity. And as you know, when the water's dirty, the walleyes aren't, they have no fear. You know, there's plenty of cover over them and they'll be up shallow. So focusing on shallow water is what we were doing. We were catching walleyes in in probably five or six feet of water. And we were just casting uh, Berkeley flicker sheds and just grinding them on the bottom and using bright colors because again dirty water you see the flicker shad has got rattles in it so it's really noisy and i was using a fire tiger bait so it's a very bright color so all the guys that are fishing the tournament now are probably listening to your show well um, yeah i don't know if they're allowed to or not i guess they can have their radio on can't they there is a tournament going on there right now so yeah. we, we may be changing somebody's tactics but you know that's right but we're informing right. the average everyday angler if the tournament guy happens to get a tip from it i'll tell you <laughs> and you can probably say this too when i fish tournaments a lot, a lot of, you know, because we traveled waters a lot of times we'd never fished before. And I fished both bass and walleye tournaments at a very significant level. And, and you, of course, at the highest level in walleye fishing. Uh, you had to talk to local anglers and tackle shops and Absolutely. get some information. You just didn't have time to find out about right. that, a lake you didn't fish on a regular basis. Yeah, the, be- the, best, the best technique to find out how fishing is is show up at the ramp at the end of the day when everybody's coming off the water and talk to them. And anybody who's caught fish is going to be very willing to talk because they're not probably going out the next day. So yeah, <laughs> you well, can get a lot from that. But you know, we so we did good casting in the in the shallows. The other thing that was happening around us, we were watching guys um, that were trolling, and they were just they were just dragging jigs with uh, like a ripple shad on the back of it, and dragging that right on the bottom. Um, typically, no, something bright, something that sends off a lot of vibration. Um, bottom bouncers with a with a crawler harness and a big blade, big bright blade. Um, I'd probably stay away from the slow death because I don't think you get a lot of you don't get as much motion. But a big big old blade is going to set up a lot of commotion, and those fish are going to be able to find it. That's the really the biggest thing in that dirty water up at Jackson, I think. Well, you know what we used to do in some of the even the Minnesota lakes when they'd cloud up during a tournament or even just out fishing is. We'd go to a lot of the, you know, you can buy a lot of jigs that have a little blade on them. Uh, Northland makes a number. Um, I think Lindy does. There's a number of, and those jigs with that little blade, I, you know, I normally use a jig as more of a natural presentation or just a weight. But boy, and sometimes I was out with uh, Bo Brosdahl, and we were in a dirty, shallow, dirty water situation on, uh, I think it was Leech Lake in Minnesota at the time. 
And we just slammed them, just barely dragging, you know, almost trolling, but not really, just dragging. So those blades just were adding some flicker, and we just had either either a, a, a soft plastic or a half a nightcrawler, and we just slammed them. Yep, those things work great in that. And then they also Northland, I think, makes a makes a jig that's got a rattle chamber built into it. It's like a, a brass chamber. It's got some beads in it, and that, that can also help. So... <clears throat> there, yeah, the, the Whistler jigs, the Roadrunner jigs. You know, there's so many different kinds that have got something that'll help help those fish find those. Now, baits. now I think Jackson's a shad based lake. How long do you think this shallow bite holds up before those fish are out suspending? Or I, I haven't fished Jackson enough to know if they'll even make that migration. I don't know. If, well, they should. I mean, there's certainly there's there all there's also a bunch of baby wipers in there too. So we caught a bunch of those as well. Um, the shad, I think, have spawned, and there's fish on top, and they will go out and suspend with them eventually. But, you know, the fish will go wherever the food is. That's that's just it. It doesn't matter if it's dirty, clear, or warm. The fish are going to be where the food is. Oh, without question. So it sounds like Jackson, over the next couple of weeks, though, might be a great time, especially for people who maybe aren't too proficient at trolling and techniques, to just work the shallows. And I, I don't know that that lake is kind of a bowl. Was it just working those shallow flats, or was there any kind of particular yeah. structure or vegetation or anything? There was no vegetation to speak of at all. I mean, there's some weeds on the bottom, but it was pretty much just a giant flat. And we were just working along that flat, looking for any change in the in the depth. So you'd look at, you know, use your graph. You, you see a little, maybe a little drop off, a little change. Um, the fish were relating to those changes somewhat. And you're not going to see a lot of fish because you're so shallow, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll, you'll see one on occasion, but... In, in five, six feet of water, you're only looking at two feet at the bottom. That's about the diameter of your cone. So you're not going to see a lot of fish. Okay. What about some of the lakes closer to your home? Horsetooth, Boyd, have you been out on either one? Have you heard any yep. reports? Uh, so I, I guided on Boyd the other day, and we were doing our best with a, a bottom bouncer in about 15 feet of water on the weed edges using the, the new Berkeley Fusion rotating hooks with a gulp killer crawler rigged on it. And just moving along at one to one point two miles an hour. Um, any and, and we did mark fish where we were fishing. So like you know, away from the across from the arenas, there's the big riprap wall right in front of that. Also on the weed edges on the north end, weed edges on the south end. There, I mean, there are fish pretty much everywhere. Nothing really big the other day, but but there's big fish mixed in with them. Did you see while you were doing that? You tend to catch some other species. How about white bass or largemouth or smallmouth bass or even trout? Um, we didn't, not that day, but um, we, we it was more of a teaching day, so we, we focused on that, and we tried a lot of different techniques. Um, there are bass up in the weed beds up on, well, there's a lot of weeds in, in Boyd, so Boyd's a fantastic largemouth bass lake, and, and I did catch some up there when I was by myself the other day, just uh, swimming, a, swimming a power grub on a, on a jig head along the edges of the weeds. And you get walleyes mixed in with them on occasion, and then around some of the some other overhead cover. Let me just put it at that. At that there will be bass around that as well. Um, the white bass. I, I did not run into any white bass, but I'm hearing the white bass are coming back. I'm starting to see a little bit of surface activity. It's just starting to pick up. Every now and then, you'd see a fish hit the surface that I know wasn't a carp. And so I'm. I think the young of the year shad are starting to get targeted. I'm seeing suspended fish. And I did a little bit of trolling, but not enough to really determine whether or not that's going to take off. But it looks like it's going to start setting up for that suspended trolling bite. Okay, and then finally, how about horse tooth? 
And horsetooth, the smallmouth bass, has been very, very active pretty much all spring. I'm catching a lot of smallmouth on poppers. It worked slowly, you know, so cast it out, let the rings disappear, wiggle it a few times and work it back to the boat slowly. You get a lot of small fish hitting them towards the bank. If you cast a little bit, maybe maybe if your, your boat's in 20 feet of water and you cast around the boat, not so much towards the shore, you'll get some bigger ones suspended. That's, um, we're also, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that smallmouth bass population has really been prolific lately and with yeah. size too. It is, yeah. There's some really good ones. Um, catching some nice ones down on the bottom with um, uh, a drop shot rig with the the new power bait Maxent flat nose minnow, which I really like on a on a on a drop shot. Catching a lot of bigger fish on the bottom, and also with tubes just dragged on the bottom or worked slowly. And we're catching some fish like I think our biggest one is up to 18 inches. So there's some pretty nice fish there for smallmouth. Yeah, Karen and I had a day last late summer last year, and I was really out just running my boat as I rarely do anymore, testing some equipment. And I said, we took it through a couple rods in, and we put uh, just tube jigs, two and a half inch tube jigs on light jig heads. And we we found a point where I marked some fish. We said, well, let's try it. And as we got, they were kind of scattered up and down the point with a concentration right at the the base of the, the point where it kind of leveled. And uh, we had more fish over 15 and 16 inches than we did under, and we caught a lot of fish. Yeah, the the the, the, the smallmouth population is, is really in, in good shape, and a lot of guys are taking good care of it and letting those bigger fish go, and that's helping a lot, too. Are you seeing or hearing anything about the walleyes and horsetooth? Yep. I hear a lot, wa- of, a lot of rumors mm-hmm. floating around as to what's going on at the fishery. What are you hearing? The walleye fishery is very healthy. Um, the fish are doing well. Um, I, I I have to say I have not caught any small ones up there in the last couple of years, so I'm a little concerned about that. But the the fish that we're catching are very healthy, very fat, um, you know, good sized fish. We're starting to see some fish starting to show up in the during the daytime, and that that's typical of horse tooth. Um, it's you know in early spring before before the spawn, the fish are catchable during the day. And then after they spawn, they go out and they suspend with the bait fish, and they're just it's it's rare that you catch one during the daytime unless you're targeting suspended fish. Um, now, this time of year, they start to show up again back on the shoreline. Middle of June is kind of when it starts. And you'll start, you'll be able to catch fish on bottom bouncers with slow death or um, bottom bouncer with, a, I, I'm actually using spinning glows because it kind of helps hold things off. As you know, it's a snaggy lake. Anything that floats is going to keep, going to be less snaggy than that. And then once you, tar- once you figure out exactly where they are, you can target them with a a jig and a ripple shad or something like that and and, uh, and work those fish. But, yeah, they're starting to show up during the daytime now. All right. Next Monday, you'll be at the Cabela's over in Grand Junction. And if people want to book a guide trip, how do they get a hold of you, Dan? You can either book through fishfulthinker.com or you can contact me directly, just dan at fishfulthinker.com. All right, my friend. We'll be talking soon. Have a good weekend. You too. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Dan Swanson, excellent resource. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motor power and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Jim Hawkins. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Terry. Thank you for having me. I was going to say your title, but it's about a book long. But <laughs> <laughs> it is. 
I am the boating education and enforcement coordinator for the for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Yeah, and of course you've been on the show before, and you and I have talked about boating, and we're in the heart of the boating season right now, and it's just going to get busier with the holiday coming up. A lot of people are boating for the first time as they do every year. A lot of boats get sold this time of the year, and a lot of people are camping in July, so they'll be out in the water, and we add that to now the proliferation of things like paddle boards and kayaking, and I have two kayaks. I love to get out and do that, and it's just a lot of busy time on Colorado with limited surface water, and I think you and I want to talk about some basic uh, enforcement things that are coming up and some safety things because we just want everybody out there. We've got to kind of remind people so it's fresh in their mind how to act on the water so that everybody has a really fun time over these next few weeks and not a, and doesn't turn into a tragedy, Jim. Exactly. You know, uh, thank you for having me on your show. Um, you know, obviously we have 4th of July weekend coming up, and I just want to get the word out. You know, we're all about education and safety. Um, we wanted to let the public know that starting next weekend, June 29th and July 1st, uh, Cardinal Parks and Wildlife will be uh, conducting Operation Dry Water. And what Operation Dry Water is, it's a nationwide boating under the influence awareness and enforcement campaign. Um and what we're trying to do is reduce the number of alcohol and drug-related accidents and fatalities through education enforcement during this weekend. Well, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, we get into this, I know you're going to say more, but if I was going to say that probably more boating accidents are caused by drinking than any other thing without even knowing the statistics, and probably more fatalities because of not wearing a life jacket, but go ahead and continue on. Yeah, you know, alcohol is just a leading contributor factor in recreational boating deaths and a major factor in all the uh, boat accidents on the water. So we just want to get the word out. Uh, We want people to take the pledge um, to never drink and drive a boat, always have a designated boat operator, and, you know, always wear your life jacket. Now, in fact, we should remind people the law... In Colorado, operating a boat is very similar to the law for driving a car when you're impaired, isn't it? That is correct. Uh, boating under the influence has uh, the same level of intoxication, which is 0.08, uh, which is just uh, like driving a vehicle. And then you can also be arrested and uh, jail time and lose your boating privileges if you're found guilty. Now, another thing I don't think a lot of people realize is that because of the other activities, because you're out in the hot sun, because of dehydration and boating, uh, drinks can affect you a lot quicker in a boat, too, don't they? Yeah, it does. Uh, the stressors, obviously, with our boating environment int- uh, intensifies all the effects of alcohol, drugs, and even some medications. What about drugs? Now, I'm sure that it's boating while impaired. So are you also on the lookout for, you know, Colorado's a legal marijuana state. Are you looking for people impaired with marijuana? Uh, yes, that is correct. So none of that operating. And do some of the lakes actually going to be, I mean, there's going to be widespread. People will be looking for people doing things erratically. I'm sure all the park rangers are going to be on alert for this. And and you really want to tell people before they get to that point, hey, take the boat in, don't do this, don't go out there, um, because just let's not have an accident. But some of them, if you're caught, they're going to be checking for it, I believe, aren't they? Yes, they are. And we're actually doing a specific Operation Dry Water Checkpoint at Chatfield uh, Reservoir at on Saturday. Okay, so just so people know, just don't, you know, and I mentioned that, you know, you and I have talked over the past several times and that um, alcohol is a huge contributor, but the thing that 
Yeah, every, uh, almost every time I hear about a boating fatality, unless somebody was hit by a propeller or something like that, it, it, if they would have had a life jacket on, they very well might have survived. Is that still the case and statistically? That is. So uh, statistically, 84% of people who drowned in a recreational boating accident uh, were not wearing a life jacket. So always please just wear your life jacket. Yeah, and for children, I can't remember the age now. I think it's 13, but they have to have a life jacket, right? That is correct. They have to wear a life jacket at all times unless the boat is anchored or uh, the child is in a cabin inside the vessel. And this is a good way to seg- segue, too, into some uh, boating courtesy and, and etiquette. And you and I have talked about this extensively in the past. Um, like, let's take uh, paddle boards, for instance. I think sometimes paddle boat owners don't realize that they're a watercraft subject to the same rules as a, a tow boat or a fishing boat in a lot of instances where they need a personal flotation device, and they have to obey the rules of the water, too, don't they? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the U.S. Coast Guard uh, defines a paddleboard, or known as a SUP, um, as a vessel, so they need to follow all the requirements. And they, especially with the busy weekend that's coming up, uh, just a good reminder that they have to stay 150 feet from other vessels as well. Yeah, and that's a point. You know, fishing, and a lot of people will be camping and fishing from shore right now, too. And everybody in a boat, whether you're a fisherman out there with your fishing boat, a kayaker like I do at times, a paddleboarder, SUP, uh, or whether you're a, a tow boat or just going out for a boat ride, if there's another boat that's positioned and anchored in fishing, or if there's an, an angler on shore, you have to give them that 150 feet. And the fishermen need to do the same for the paddle boards because coming too close with the boat will disrupt them too. Exactly. So, so Jim, any last comments before I let you go that we, we just want to reinforce to people? You know, you know, if you use common sense and courtesy, we can all have a really great time out in the water these next few weeks. Yeah, and, uh, you know, especially the next couple weekends, you know, please just have a safe and sober operator and uh, make sure that you have all your boat safety equipment and uh, always wear your uh, life jacket. All right, Jim, thanks as always. You know, great reminders, great, great things. So there's, uh, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, we will talk to you again soon on lots of subjects just like this. All right, thank you. Take care. You bet. That's Jim Hawkins from, you know, normally we get a call from uh, Ray at Adventure Camper, who's probably busy selling campers because everybody's trying to get out onto the water right now. I'm just going to tell you, go to AdventureCamper.com. He has got so many, so many incredible, incredible um, deals going on right now. And it's just a fantastic, they're family-owned, a great place to be, great partner to this show, AdventureCamper.com. And tell him you heard about him here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Adventure Camper. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Cheyenne Mountain State Park is Jasmine. Good morning, Jasmine. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. I'll tell you what, you know, it's a little bit of clouds in the sky here in Denver today, but it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. But why would any? So why would anybody want to come to some ugly place like Cheyenne Mountain? <laughs> you know what, Terry? We got a lot of activities. Um, it's blue sky here today. We got um, archery. We got 22-plus miles of hiking trails. 
Um, we got some great programs going on as well. Well, we're going to talk more about all that, but why don't you kind of tell people where it's located and describe the park? Yeah, so we are located um, across the entrance of Fort Carson Military Base. Um, we are kind of sandwiched between Fort Carson and NORAD, so we got a really prime location here. That's right. You're ground zero. Let me... <laughs> we really are. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, how many parks can say they're on top of a NORAD headquarters? Of course, Cheyenne Mountain is famous, made famous by the movies with its underground. And I don't know if you get glimpses of anything when you're there, but you sure get glimpses of a lot of beautiful scenery, don't you? We sure do. Um, you know, every once in a while, I think I see one of those hybrid Yetis that they're making up there in Cheyenne Mountain, but <laughs> it's still a mystery. But so tell people, you got how many miles of trails there? We got 22 plus miles of trails. We are adding more as we speak. We're actually making a trail to the top of Cheyenne Mountain. That'll hopefully open, um, we're hoping early fall. Now, are, are these multi-use trails as far as hiking, mo uh, uh, biking, and equestrian, or are they separated or some of that not allowed? What do you, what's available? Yeah, so all of our trails are hiking and biking. We do have um, a few equestrian trails um, as well. And then we um, recently started doing some dog trails. We used to not allow dogs, but now, you know, we heard the public. We heard their cries for it. And so some of our trails, not all of them, we do allow dogs on. All right. And what kind of wildlife are you likely to see when you're on the trails at Cheyenne Mountain? We got plenty of deer here. We got some rabbits. Um, you know, we got some wild turkeys as well. Um, there's a lot. You know, you might be able to see some bears or mountain lions. We do have bobcats. I wouldn't say we have a lot of those, you know, bigger cats, but you might be able to. And it's just a beautiful setting. And I think you cover quite a range of elevation, don't you? We do, yeah. We go kind of down from city level, and now that we're going to go to the top of the mountain, we're going to have quite a bit of elevation gain there. <laughs> and for camping, do you have both, uh, like, do you have drive-in sites and walk-in sites? We do. We have 51 full-service um, sites for RVs and rigs, and then we have 10 um, tent sites as well. Now, I know you've got some activities. We're going to get to those in a minute, especially one that's coming up soon, just prior to the 4th, and then you have a lot of programs. We'll talk about those in a minute, but one of the things I want to highlight, and this has been coming up on the show lately, um, we've been talking a lot of getting ready for hunting season on the show lately, and people need to get out and practice, whether it's archery, which pronghorn archery is only about six, eight weeks away, um, whether it's elk, uh, whether it's with a rifle, whether it's with a bow, whatever you hunt, um, getting out and being familiar with your choice of uh, hunting weapon is, is really critical this time of the year, so you're comfortable, so you make ethical, safe and ethical shots all the time. And you have uh, an extensive archery range there, both, I think, a stand-up inline archery range and a 3D range. Is that right? We sure do, yeah. We have a great archery range. Um, it's located on Pine, or Pine Oaks Road, just south of us here. Um, we have a static range, and then we have 24 3D um, targets as well. So that's really great practice for those hunters. It really is. And we talked extensively with um, Nate Zielinski, who's a, a very accomplished uh, archery hunter, and he couldn't uh, stop talking about the value of those 3D rangers. He drew a goat tag, uh, a sheep tag this year, and he's going after it with a bow. And so what he wants to uh, do is, he said he's learning that he's got to 
things maybe he should have been doing the whole time when he was bow hunting with an elk, and he's getting adjusting his arrows a little more. He's doing things like that where you have to be on a range to understand that, and he's practicing shooting uphill, downhill, different angles because his pin placement is so different on his bow. But one of the things him and I both agreed on that you, there's no substitute for the 3D ranges because you walk these ranges and you can actually take the shot from different places and positions and it really puts you in that hunting type feel or situation where you're not all of a sudden just standing there, taking a breath, getting set, knowing your exact distance, knowing the elevation of change if there's any. When you have to eyeball all that while you're getting ready to make a shot and you're walking through the 3D range and your heart rate's a little accelerated, what a tremendous preparation for archers. It really is. It's excellent practice, you know, um, making sure everything's lined up. You got that shot. You got the uphill. You got the downhill. You know, you might have to duck behind some bushes here and there. So it's it's really great practice. No, it really is. And is that what are the hours of your archery range? So our archery range, um, we ask individuals to leave by dark. Um, if you want to do the three D target targets, it is an additional three dollars to your seven dollars park pass. Um, so there's that. Um, we don't really have, I mean, the set hours, you know, we'd like you to be gone by eight-ish, you know, when it starts to get dark. So you're not putting yourself or anybody else in danger. Okay. Now you have regular events at Cheyenne Mountain Park. Let's talk quickly about those. You have interpretive programs, educational programs going on all the time, right? We do. Yeah. We have some really great programs, mostly on weekends, Saturdays is our big family days. We do a lot of mystery hikes. Um, there's some great campfire talks where we talk about the different creatures that you might be able to find in Colorado and in the park. Um, there's a lot of, we do hummingbirds, we do wildflower talks. There's a really great bird hike that we do on Tuesday mornings. Um, and we're adding new programs all the time. So it's really great for families to come out and kind of learn more about their surroundings and about Colorado. Now, coming up here shortly, though, you have a very special event. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we're going to do a Fun Before the Fourth event. It's happening July 1st. It's, that's a Sunday. Um, it's from, from 5 to 8. We're going to have a lot of things going on. There's going to be a lot of games like horseshoe. We're going to do some chalk art. We're making superhero animal masks. Our archery range is going to be open. Um, there's going to be a food truck here. Um, Witty Porks is going to provide two food trucks serving pizza and ice cream and yummy things like that. So you're welcome to bring your picnic basket. You're welcome to um, come and cook out. We have a lot of picnic areas that have grills, so you're welcome to do that as well. We're going to do uh, skins and skull tables, which is great for the kiddos. Um, they can come and, you know, kind of look at all the different animals that you can find here in the park and in Colorado, be able to touch, touch some skins from some creatures and stuff like that. So that's from 5 to 8. Um, following that is going to be the Fort Carson fireworks starting at 9.30, and we have a really great view of those. I would think that from your location, you know, bring everybody out, have have a little dinner there, you know, go to the crafts with the kids, get settled in. You're not going to be crowded to, by somebody standing right in front of you because you've got all that space, and you'll have just a great view of the fireworks. Sounds like a great way, and that's July 1st. And I imagine there's also information on website and Facebook pages. Yep, we got a lot of um, good stuff on our Facebook and Instagram page, so you're going to make sure to follow us there, as well as our website. Um, you can find all the details on all of those sites. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully people will come and take advantage of Cheyenne Mountain State Park.
I hope so. It's a great park. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jasmine. Thanks, Terry. Have a good one. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is, uh, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And, you know, we're going to change things up here a bit, and we're going to get back to a lot of fishing again very quickly. But uh, one of the things I've always valued on the outdoor community is the way we step up for each other and support each other, especially when somebody is challenged in their life. I've seen it over and over again. There's just a camaraderie and a sense of support and community among the outdoor enthusiasts. And uh, I want to talk to you about an opportunity where maybe as an outdoor enthusiast, you can step up and help somebody who is having a challenge right now. And at the same time, have a lot of fun doing it. And joining us from the Blue Quill Angler to tell us about it is Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing good. And and I meant what I said. You know, decades I've been in the outdoor industry. Uh, Sometimes we get a little competitive with each other as far as who outfishes who. and, And we compete for sponsors and we compete for attention. But when, and we all think we're, you know, a little better outdoor guy than the other guy. But when it comes down to when one of our own has challenged, boy, we come together like a family. And hopefully that's what will happen in this case. You know, I, I hope so. We have a, um, our head guide, our head float, uh, float guide, I should say, is a guy named Bob Dye. And Bob was in an ATV accident just about five weeks ago. And, uh, and he, he's had a hard recovery so far. And, Anybody who knows the Blue Quill or has been floating the Colorado River, Bob is such a steward of the environment, steward of the river. He helps anybody who will come ask him for questions, and um, I want to do anything I can to help him in return. And, well, so there's a fundraiser going on, I believe, tomorrow, and then there's also an opportunity tonight. So let's kind of go through those. First of all, what's going on tomorrow? Tell us how people can participate and how they can donate. You bet. So Bob Dye has a fundraiser. It's at the Grand Adventure Brewing Company up in Kremlin, Colorado. And uh, tomorrow at the Grand Adventure, they're going to be doing a big raffle giveaway for people who donate to the cause. They're going to be doing a big silent auction. We've personally at Blue Quills donate high-end fly rods and reels, and we're donating guide trips just to help, you know, incentivize people to help Bob. and that, that event starts at 5.30 tomorrow, again, at the Grand Adventure Brewing Company up in Kremlin. And then for anybody who can't make it tomorrow, they have ability today where you can still go donate to the Grand Adventure. It's all going to Bob's cause, and they will give you a prime rib with uh, two sides for $18 with any donation. Right. And then I believe tomorrow also they're doing some sliders and things where they're selling for $15. Yeah. They're asking, they said they'd prefer a little bigger donation, but for a minimum of 15 you get some sliders and things. So really trying to yeah. bring everybody together and some camaraderie and make it a fun time, even though it's still help overcome a very challenging time for Bob. And that's it, you know. And it's a uh, a lot of the fishing community up on the Colorado will be up there. There'll be a, a lot of um, great talent walking around, you know. It'll be a fun environment and ask questions. And I know the Colorado River, in terms of a lot of our clients, is a river that people are just dying to learn more about. And 
it's kind of two birds, one stone this weekend. Well, and another thing, too, speaking of learning the Colorado, that's a great segue. Bob's just released a book, and, you know, although the authors don't get anywhere near the amount of money out of a book people think they do, but I'm sure anything helps. He also, um, it wouldn't hurt to buy his book. Tell us about the book and where people could find it. You bet. And it goes back to, I was telling you, Bob's such a steward of the environment. He helps anybody. And proof is in this book. It's called Fly Fishing the Colorado River and its Tributaries. And so it includes rivers like the Fraser River and the uh, the Williams Fork and the Roaring Fork. Um, and Bob has so many great detailed information on the bug life in that river and how to approach it in different public access areas. Um it's just going to be a phenomenal resource to have a book in hand and really learn about this great Freestone River. Now, is that book available now or about to come out? You know, it, it's available now. It just got released. We have copies here at the Blue Cool Angler up in Evergreen. And uh, and actually, I just picked up a bunch of books this morning from Bob at the hospital. He's still he's signing every copy that's ordered through us, and he can personalize any message to you that you would want. That's awesome. So let's find ways to support him. By the way, um, for people who are hearing this and didn't get all the details, if they go to the Blue Quill Angler on Facebook, there is a post about the fundraiser there. I found that, and or Karen found it and sent it to me. I take credit for a lot of things she does. <laughs> I mean, people think I know what I'm doing. We go out, we film a TV show, she catches a fish, we do this radio show, she sets it up. I just smile, say a few things, get all the credit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Terry, I really appreciate um all your help and again everything you do for all of us outdoor enthusiasts here in colorado and it's nice to have people who fight for the wildlife and fight for the outdoors and one last thing before we let you go i know you were on the water yesterday we might as well get an update you know you were on last week and what i'm hearing all over the state for fly fishermen and by the way we're going to have another we, we covered quite a bit of fly fishing the last few weeks we're doing a lot of conventional fishing but um, Kirk Dieter's coming on with me next week, and so are the guys from Trout Unlimited. So we'll have quite a bit of fly fishing next week. But what what's going on right now? People looking. It's a beautiful weekend. They want to get out. Well, give us a quick update. You bet. I uh, the Blue River's been fishing really good lately. Those fish are coming to life. The water flows have come down below Dillon Reservoir. Um, we're having a little bit tougher time at Deckers, specifically just because of the water temperatures midday. Um, if you do decide to fish Deckers, fish it early. Try to get off the water about 12 o'clock. Um, fishing could be all right in the morning, but again, the Blue River's been phenomenal. Um, the Dream Stream's been fishing really good out in South Park. And, uh, and then we did a couple trips on the Arkansas this week and had some awesome brown trout action on the surface of big dry flies. Well, and the Arkansas is a good river to fish for the remainder of the summer in some ways, too, that the fact that they do own some water, they can keep releases. And, of course, you guys drift the Colorado, and the Colorado will stay. I'm sure it'll stay fishable, but we're going to have to watch the flows on all the rivers getting later into the year. Uh Best way to find you guys if people want more information, whether it's on Bob, the book, or anything else, is just go to the bluequillangler.com. All your contact information is there, right? That It's all at bluequillangler.com. You can find us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. We're starting to put a lot of great information out there just to help people catch a few fish. All right. Once again, you know, thank you so much, Chris, for joining us, and hopefully a lot of people will pitch in and help Bob out. Hey, Terry, thank you so much. And everybody else, thank you for the support. And uh, good luck out on the water.
All right. Thanks, Chris. Chris from the Blue Quill Angler. You know, before we go, we talk about Facebook and and we talk about uh, the, the web pages and all those things. You know, the best way to keep track of this show and what's going on is our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. When we have special focuses or special guests on a show coming up, we'll post it so you'll know ahead of time. If we get a podcast that we think is uh, you know, above and beyond our normal, you've got to go get all of our podcasts at 1043thefan.com uh, every week. They stay up for a couple weeks, and then they stay, once you get them, you can access them for months. But um, we podcast everything. And you can download them or you can share them or send them. But we put some of the more significant ones on our Facebook page. Every time Karen adds a new show to our YouTube channel, a new television show, which are legacy shows that she redoes and puts them up, um, that goes on our Facebook page. And my column in the Denver Post, I write a weekly column for the Denver Post, and that the link to that goes on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And the reason I suggest going to our Facebook page to get it, because there's several ways to access the column through apps and online, and the one we post on Facebook always has all the links in it. Now, the, they try to put the links in everything, but sometimes on the apps and things, they'll lose. And we'll have a link to a park for information. We'll have a link to a guide shop. We'll have a link uh, to a almost always a podcast that was on the radio show that's germane to that article. So you want to read it and listen to it. And then we'll um, we'll put... We'll put links to a lot of other information, like maybe we have a television show or video, or maybe there's just, we've been on the water, we want to update you, or some of our friends have. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook is a good way to follow what's going on on this show and keep track of us. And of course, follow me in the Denver Post, and follow us every Saturday. Now, we're going to be doing some schedule changes the end of July, so be prepared for that. We moved to uh, 10 to 12 to accommodate the golf show. But as we get towards Broncos training camp, we're going to go back to our more normal times. And then, of course, we'll have a lot of Broncos training camp coverage right here on 104.3 The Fan. But we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to spend most of the next hour with uh, three different guests talking conventional fishing, both up and down the front range and in the mountains. And it's going on right now, folks. If you want to get out and fish, you want to stay tuned. We've got a lot of information coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.